What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 21, Part 1 of Shirley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Shirley by Charlotte Bronte. Chapter 21, Part 1. Mrs. Pryor. While Shirley was talking with Moore, Caroline rejoined Mrs. Pryor upstairs. She found that lady deeply depressed. She would not say that Miss Kilder's hastiness had hurt her feelings, but it was evident an inward wound galled her. To any but a congenial nature, she would have seemed insensible to the quiet, tender attentions by which Miss Halstone sought to impart solace. But Caroline knew that, unmoved or slightly moved as she looked, she felt, valued, and was healed by them. "'I am deficient in self-confidence and decision,' she said at last. "'I always have been deficient in those qualities. "'Yet I think Miss Kildar should have known my character well enough by this time "'to be aware that I always feel an even painful solicitude to do right, to act for the best. "'The unusual nature of the demand on my judgment puzzled me, "'especially following the alarms of the night. "'I could not venture to act promptly for another.' but I trust no serious harm will result from my lapse of firmness. A gentle knock was here heard at the door. It was half opened. Caroline, come here, said a low voice. Miss Hellstone went out. There stood Shirley in the gallery, looking contrite, ashamed, sorry as any repentant child. How is Mrs. Pryor? she asked. "'Rather out of spirits,' said Caroline. "'I have behaved very shamefully, very ungenerously, very ungratefully to her,' said Shirley. "'How insolent in me to turn on her thus, for what, after all, was no fault, only an excess of conscientiousness on her part. But I regret my error most sincerely. Tell her so, and ask if she will forgive me.' Caroline discharged the errand with heartfelt pleasure. Mrs. Pryor rose, came to the door. She did not like scenes. She dreaded them, as all timid people do. She said falteringly, "'Come in, my dear.' Shirley did come in with some impetuosity. She threw her arms round her governess, and while she kissed her heartily, she said, "'You know you must forgive me, Mrs. Pryor.' I could not get on at all if there was a misunderstanding between you and me. I have nothing to forgive, 
was the reply. We will pass over it now, if you please. The final result of the incident is that it proves more plainly than ever how unequal I am to certain crises. And that was the painful feeling which would remain on Mrs. Pryor's mind. No effort of Shirley's or Caroline's could efface it thence. She could forgive her offending pupil, not her innocent self. Miss Kildart, doomed to be in constant request during the morning, was presently summoned downstairs again. The rector called first. A lively welcome and a livelier reprimand were at his service. He expected both, and, being in high spirits, took them in equally good part. In the course of his brief visit, he quite forgot to ask after his niece. The riot, the rioters, the mill, the magistrates, the heiress, absorbed all his thoughts, to the exclusion of family ties. He alluded to the part himself and curate had taken in the defence of the hollow. The vials of pharisaical wrath will be emptied on our heads, for our share in this business, he said. But I defy every calumniator. I was only there to support the law, to play my part as a man and a Briton, which characters I deem quite compatible with those of the priest and Levite, in their highest sense. Your tenant, more, he went on, has won my approbation. A cooler commander I would not wish to see, nor a more determined. Besides, the man has shown sound judgment and good sense, first in being thoroughly prepared for the events which has taken place, and subsequently when his well-concerted plans had secured him success, in knowing how to use without abusing his victory. Some of the magistrates are now well frightened, and, like all cowards, show a tendency to be cruel. Moore restrains them with admirable prudence. He has hitherto been very unpopular in the neighborhood. But, mark my words, the tide of opinion will now take a turn in his favor. People will find out that they have not appreciated him, and will hasten to remedy their error. And he, when he perceives the public disposed to acknowledge his merits, will show a more gracious mien than that with which he has hitherto favoured us. Mr. Halstone was about to add to this speech some half-jesting, half-serious warnings to Miss Kildar on the subject of her rumoured partiality for her talented tenant, when a ring at the door, announcing another collar, checked his raillery. And as that other collar appeared in the form of a white-haired, elderly gentleman, with a rather truculent countenance and disdainful eye, in short, our old acquaintance and the rector's old enemy, Mr. York, the priest and Levite seized his hat, and with the briefest of adieu to Miss Kildar, and the sternest of nods to her guest, took an abrupt leave. Mr. York was in no mild mood, and in no measured terms did he express his opinion on the transaction of the night. More, the magistrates, the soldiers, the mob leaders, each and all, came in for a share of his invectives. But he reserved his strongest epithets, and real racy Yorkshire Doric adjectives they were, for the benefit of the fighting parsons, the sanguinary, demoniac, rector and curate. According to him, the cup of ecclesiastical guilt was now full indeed. The church, he said, was in a bonny pickle now. 
It was time it came down when Parsons took to swaggering among soldiers, blazing away with bullet and gunpowder, taking the lives of far honester men than themselves. "'What would Moore have done if nobody had helped him?' asked Shirley. "'Drunk as he'd brewed, eaten as he'd baked.' "'Which means you would have left him by himself to face that mob. "'Good. He has plenty of courage. "'But the greatest amount of gallantry that ever garrisoned one human breast "'could scarce avail against two hundred. "'He had the soldiers, those poor slaves who hire out their own blood "'and spill other folks for money. "'You abuse soldiers almost as much as you abuse clergymen.' All who wear red coats are national refuse in your eyes, and all who wear black are national swindlers. Mr. Moore, according to you, did wrong to get military aid, and he did still worse to accept of any other aid. Your way of talking amounts to this. He should have abandoned his mill and his life to the rage of a set of misguided madmen, and Mr. Halstone and every other gentleman in the parish should have looked on, and seen the building raised and its owner slaughtered, and never stirred a finger to save either. If Mr. Moore had behaved to his men from the beginning as a master ought to behave, they never would have entertained their present feelings toward him. "'Easy for you to talk!' exclaimed Miss Kildar, who was beginning to wax warm in her tenant's cause. "'You, whose family have lived at Briarmains for six generations,' to whose person the people have been accustomed for fifty years, who know all their ways, prejudices, and preferences. Easy, indeed, for you to act so as to avoid offending them. But Mr. Moore came a stranger into the district. He came here poor and friendless, with nothing but his own energies to back him, nothing but his honor, his talent, and his industry to make his way for him. A monstrous crime, that indeed, under such circumstances, he could not popularize his naturally grave, quiet manners all at once, could not be jocular and free, and cordial with a strange peasantry, as you are with your fellow townsmen. An unpardonable transgression, that when he introduced improvements, he did not go about the business in quite the most politic way, did not graduate his changes as delicately as a rich capitalist might have done. For errors of this sort, is he to be the victim of mob outrage? Is he to be denied even the privilege of defending himself? Are those who have the hearts of men in their breasts, and Mr. Halstone, say what you will of him, has such a heart, to be reviled like malefactors because they stand by him, because they venture to espouse the cause of one against two hundred? Come, come now, be cool, said Mr. York, smiling at the earnestness with which Shirley multiplied her rapid questions. "'Cool? Must I listen coolly to downright nonsense, to dangerous nonsense? No. I like you very well, Mr. York, as you know, but I thoroughly dislike some of your principles. All that can't—excuse me, but I repeat the word—all that can't, about soldiers and parsons, is most offensive in my ears. All ridiculous, irrational crying up of one class— whether the same be aristocrat or democrat, all howling down of another class, whether clerical or military, all exacting injustice to individuals, whether monarch or mendicant, is really sickening to me. 
all a rank of ranks against ranks, all party hatreds, all tyrannies disguised as liberties, I reject and wash my hands of. You think you are a philanthropist. You think you are an advocate of liberty. But I will tell you this. Mr. Hall, the parson of Nunnally, is a better friend both of man and freedom than Hiram York, the reformer of Briarfield. From a man Mr. York would not have borne this language very patiently, nor would he have endured it from some women. But he accounted Shirley both honest and pretty, and her plain-spoken ire amused him. Besides, he took a secret pleasure in hearing her defend her tenant. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.